On this episode of The Pull, we get strange with anticipation of Marvel's next release, as well as talk about the possibility of Johnny Depp getting cast in some sorcery. And Danny explains to us which video games give him nightmares while I take us on a special trip all the way down to hell. John, roll it! So, my big question to you, because you were kind of coy when I text you about it. I don't know if coy is the right word. Um, just short. Is uh, how did you feel about the arrival of uh, Ezekiel on The Walking Dead? I was fucking stoked, dude. I was stoked. Like I uh, mentioned, I think, last episode. Um, he's absolutely one of my favorite characters from The Walking Dead, man. I mean, I thought the fucking tiger looked fantastic. Um because I've questioned some girl today. Go ahead. Oh, what was your? What were you? I was about gonna to say, say I've questioned the Walking Dead special effects in the past, but mainly like the first couple seasons. I'd say before their budget became like ten billion dollars. Um, but she Apparently. she looked uh, fucking great, and I loved uh, just a quick idea on the episode as a whole. I I loved the fact that this was a completely one eighty different tone from the episode we got beforehand. Um, so it really did kind of put you in a different world and set you up for, you know, um, kind of the different direction that the walking dead is going to start to go. Uh, but what were you going to say? Yeah. Oh, uh, I was going to say, uh, I, so, I mean, obviously I text you as soon as I saw the tiger, like my thoughts on it, um, which matched yours. But I was talking to this girl today who typically her and I agree on most everything like, Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, but it, when I brought up the tiger, she was like, it looked pretty fake to me. And I was just like, what? I was like, that tiger looked legit as fuck for a TV yeah, show. I mean, like, it didn't look like you could reach I, out and touch it, but I mean, it's a fucking TV show, dude. Like, what do you expect? And I mean, yeah. it, looked, it looked as real as you're going to get, I feel like. Um, but I thought I thought uh, Ezekiel, the, the dude that plays Ezekiel... Of course, I don't know his name because I don't know anybody's name. Anybody that's listened to any episodes before this already knows that. Um, but I thought he fucking nailed it, dude. Like everything I wanted out of Ezekiel, everything I pictured him from the books. Uh, he just he fucking nailed it, dude. And the part where he's just uh, kicking it with Carol and they have that that dialogue about, um, you know, the real him and where he's from and. Um, his whole yeah. like uh, demeanor changes and the way he talks, uh, his tone of voice and the, his verbiage changes. And I thought it was, I thought it was sick, man. I mean, you knew, you know, I was stoked when this dude was like, "I'm just a community theater actor." <laughs> I was, that's right. I was like, "My that's dude. Up your alley, dude, like, <laughs> he's over here with this tiger. Like, thou shalt not trespass on thy stage, or this tiger shall bite your fucking face <laughs> off." And I'm. And then, like, all of a sudden, he's like, but what I meant was, like, yo, stay the fuck away from my shit. Uh, we'll be good. But you don't got to stay here if you don't want to. You do whatever the fuck you want right. to do, but you're fine. And so I'm going to ask you to stay in this house right outside the base because you're fine. And I might come knock on your door late at it, night and uh, see like what you're up It was, like, the ultimate, like, real recognizes real. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was like, yo, I know yeah. what you're about. Here's what I'm about. Like, just call it what it is, and we cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was, like, so, like, chill about the whole thing. I, 
I loved it, man. I loved it. And I and I said this to uh, to Ashley as we were watching it, and of course, you know, she didn't get it. She didn't necessarily read the books. I know you haven't, um, but maybe you've seen images of Ezekiel. But the one thing, and this was so minor, uh, but that really set it off for me is he literally was wearing the shirt from the comics. The most ridiculous, like, baby blue button-up short sleeve shirt with, like, these gold stars all over it. It's so ridiculous. That's some bullshit I'd be wearing on a regular basis. (laughs) It was dope. I was like, oh, the shit, they even got the exact same shirt, Um, which uh, uh, that kind of got me stoked. But uh. Yeah. I read read a – in the little IGN review – a lot of people have been tearing up their reviewer of The Walking Dead recently, um, but uh, he said that he felt weird knowing that the Negan stuff was going on at the exact same time as the Kingdom stuff, but like, I was kind of just like, when I read that, I was like, how did you even find time to think about like the the timeline? Right. Like. What what were you doing? What removed you from this episode so much that you were like, oh, this is weird though because this is going on with Negan, as if like that was going to somehow be a common knowledge to Carol and Morgan, so they're fucked up for not doing something about I mean, it. I, I don't I don't know where he was like going I, I I'd be lying if I said that didn't cross my mind, but like again, that's something that I actually liked about the episode, the fact that you you've literally got all this brutality in this this um you know, just pure, uh, like devastation going on with their, with their group. And yet they're, you know, completely oblivious to it. And so like, uh, I don't know how that's a bad thing. I, like I said, I, I like that, that they're kind of left in the dark. Um, but I'll be honest, dude, IGN, you know, just my personal opinion, they're kind of hit or miss for me. Like some of their reviews are just off the walls bonkers, but that's what it is. Um, but uh, enough of the walking dead. I don't want people to think this is like the walking dead podcast. Cause we seem to talk about it like every week. It's just, it's the pop it's the most f- fucking popular show on television right now. can't really help it though. Um, what'd you do for Halloween dog? You do anything special? Um, well, I, uh, spoilers. This is our, this is our Halloween episode. Hey. Um, uh, but, uh, but I just chilled with my roommate and some mutual friends that I know through them. That was that was Word. it. And then uh, I I worked on a little like Halloween short story thing or whatever. It was tight. Um, but uh, I mean, more importantly, we had a party at your place on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, I was. Uh... Cops called in the first hour. <laughs> I was as as they normally are every year. Uh, I was as we've said on previous episodes, lost in the sauce, if you will. Uh, <laughs> it was lost uh, in the it sauce. It was good times, dude. It was good times. A little more low key than than past years, but by low key, as you've already alluded to, cops still got calls. So it was still a good party, nonetheless. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, it was a lot of fun and. Yesterday, because uh, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday, but yesterday actually on Halloween, I um, kind of just came back to the house, helped pass out candy, and I had texted to you, and it, um, it, dude, it, it blew my mind, dude. There was this little kid, uh, he was like the first kid that came up to the door uh, went, once I got home, and um, homie had a straight up homemade Falcon costume, like sh- this, 
it could have been straight out of the fucking Avengers, dude. Like, it was so legit, and it was fully knitted, dude. Like, it had to be, like, two, 200 degrees. But, like, it had, like, LED lights, like, Dang. built into it. Dude had full-on wings that, like, moved and shit. I was like, whoever, this what? kid's parents, parent of the year award. Like, it was it was straight-up amazing, dude. But, uh. That's that's tight. Like Falcon got some recognition on yeah, Halloween, right? Like that's not even that's not even. But he realistically, that was probably like that kid's costume that he wanted to be. Uh, and I mean, not to not to get on a soapbox or get too like uh, weird about it. Uh, but the, the kid, uh, he was a black kid, and so maybe you know by watching that movie, that's one of what two uh, powerful you know, African-Americans in the movie between him and Black Panther, right? Yeah. And so he probably looked up to him like, yo, mom, War I want to be this guy. And there's probably not a lot of Falcon costumes out there. And so she took it yeah. upon herself, make this badass costume, dude, and I was so stoked on it. Like, that kid got mad extra candy from me just just, just because he had a badass costume. But uh. Yo, and whoever knitted it, like, that's fucking cool of them. Like, they had to take time to look at Falcon's costume no, and fucking, like, no doubt. study that no doubt, shit. Dude. It was pretty sick, but that was kind of my, that my is Halloween, dope. Um, my Halloween experience. But we'll we'll talk some I, more. I did throw it, I did throw it back, like, how old am I? 26? I did throw it back, like, <laughs> like. He's still lost in the sauce. He uh, don't know how old he is. More, yeah, more than 10 years. Uh, I think last time I played Manhunt was like when I was a freshman in high school. So I threw it back that far. We played Manhunt, nice. a bunch of grown ass <laughs> fucking people. Like, we, we could have got shot because it was late and it was like, it, like, it was sketchy. I but like uh, I was the only person. Was an adult, you know what I'm saying? Oh, it was dumb. Like, the whole time I was like, I mean, I turned into like that that white guy. I was like, hey, look, guys, uh, I don't think this is a good idea. I think that we should all stay inside where it's safe uh, and the neighbors will be disturbed and nobody will guys, get what hurt. what if we get caught um, hiding in the bushes? Uh, they're going to call the cops on us. That's that's literally what was going through my mind. But then uh, I ultimately be ended up being the only person that was never tagged the entire game. <laughs> Winning. Um, sort of my sort of my manhunt legacy. Uh, ever since I was a child, yeah, that's, that's, but, uh, that's something to be proud of—a grown-ass man that can hide really good. Hey, you know, <laughs> I I might get recruited for like, I don't know, to be like a diamond dog. I'll be the next. I'll be like Solid Snake, the real-life Metal Gear. <laughs> I don't Solid. think that has any. Whatever. Real life Fuck it. Use. Move on, Danny. What's the next move? Sub. What's the next news subject? Everyone thinks I'm a dumbass. <laughs> All right, on to the news. Uh, so I don't know if you saw this, but it looks like uh, reportedly Johnny Depp may be cast in some of the Fantastic Beasts sequels, um, possibly the first one to come out. And he may actually uh, have a small part in this one that's about to come out. It's not yet confirmed, but um, that's kind of interesting. Uh, I don't I I yeah. never really pictured him in a Harry Potter universe, but uh, obviously he's a good enough actor, I think, to pull off just about anything. Um but I, th I found that kind of interesting because it kind of came out of nowhere. And it's it's weird that you would hear something like the possibility of him being in a movie this close to the movie coming out. You know what I'm saying? Like he's such a big actor that you would yeah. think that something like that would have would have already, you know, leaked out or something. But uh, that kind of well, I feel like um, as hard as it's become for like Hollywood to keep secrets, there are certain like productions or people that have gotten good at playing the game where it's not 
Like with J.J. Abrams, every time he does a movie, he purposefully shrouds it in secret. And like right. everyone's like, what's going on in this movie? And, and like people kind of get annoyed with that about J.J. I don't mind. I don't care. It's cool. It's part of the experience of his movies is like I'm excited all the way through the rolling credits a year and a half down the road. But um, they are getting better at kind of keeping secrets or misleading us with things. Um I mean, you saw it with Tin Cloverfield Lane. It was called one thing, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, fuck, there's a trailer for a Cloverfield movie that comes out in two right, months. Right. Same thing with Blair Witch. Um, and, yeah, Blair Witch was called The Woods, and people saw that like a year before it ever hit the theaters, and they kept it a secret. Um, this Johnny Depp thing, possibly keeping it a secret, and then I, I don't want to get away from your Johnny Depp story like too hard, but um, we've got a third Cloverfield movie coming that has been in secret. Right. Um, Called something so, else. So, uh, reportedly. Yeah, so so it's they're starting to get better at it, and that's cool to me because like I enjoy the experience of um, – of just not knowing fucking every detail before I right, see Right, right. You just log on the internet and you're like, holy shit, this, I had no fucking idea this was coming out, right? Or like, you know, like, and then it, I think that, I think you're right. I mean, I think it adds not only to the anticipation leading up to that movie, um, because it's, a, it's, you're still on that high of like finding out closer to when the movie actually is released. You know what I mean? Like, you don't find out and, and yeah. that high starts to dare, die down, you know, like two months later then the movie's released even yet a month later after that. So I think it's, I think I agree yeah, I'm, totally. I'm with you. I think it's pretty cool, but um, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, the DC universe is in trouble again, bro. Uh, dark times for the Snyderverse, but uh, I guess, so the flash loses yet another director, dude. Did you see that? Dude. That that was heartbreaking to me because like I don't know if I expressed to you I, I'm sure I did, um, but in 2015, Dope was my favorite movie. Oh, the movie year. was fantastic, um, dude! Fantastic. It was dope. Um, <laughs> wow, real original. But, wow, God damn! What have I done with my life? Uh, Good. Day, but uh, John. no, th- th- when when uh, when. I saw that the other day, like two days ago or whatever. I was just like, damn it. Like, and it's creative differences again with another WB superhero movie. We're having creative differences. Like, I'm glad that this time at least the director didn't suffer through and have his, his, like, his idea of the movie completely, like, fucked up by the studio. But at this point, it's just like, how many times do we have to hear that WB and the director aren't seeing eye to eye? Right. Like, it's that it's it's like a person in a bad relationships over and over again, and every time they get out of a relationship, they make the other person sound like they're the most evil person ever. Um, but <laughs> never stop to look in the mirror and be like, you know what? If all these relationships end so badly, maybe it's fucking me. Like, <laughs> like this is PSA. Shout out to WB. Have you looked in the mirror and asked yourself if it's fucking you? Because there's a chance right now that it might be fucking you. I I'll be I had I didn't really know where you would go with that analogy, but honestly, it may it makes sense, dude. Like it really is a just unhealthy relationship, and it continues to happen movie after movie, and. Uh, obviously it's it's got to be something on Warner Brothers end man I mean and these are not like bad directors you know what I'm saying like these are fantastic award-winning directors that they're chasing away because of creative differences well maybe you should 
yeah. uh, you know, take a look at your box office ratings from the past, you know, two movies alone that you've released. Maybe you should uh, be open to maybe a couple other ideas that maybe some, uh, you know, somebody might have to give to you. Um, I'm saying <laughs> it was definitely disappointing, dude. And you know what's what's even crazier is the movie's supposed to start production early 2017. Like, bro, it's November. Uh, you got to find a, di- a yeah. new director now. Make sure he's on board. Make sure he doesn't have to make any type of major edits, which I'm sure he's going to do because he's going to bring his own, you know, feel to the movie. And then you got to start production yeah. in less than two months, like, uh, or potentially I yeah. mean, early 2017. You kind of guess, but like, come on, dude! Like, tighten up. Two uh, two ideas. Two ideas if they don't delay the movie, which they're saying that it seriously looks like they probably will, which sucks because Ezra Miller's not going to get any younger. Um, But uh, either have Kevin Smith direct a fucking movie Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. or or have me direct the movie. That's J.A. Ross from Gainesville, Florida. Feel free to hit um, us up. Uh, this the is me. At gmail.com, the pull network, yeah. Instagram, Twitter. You'll find us. We're here. Yep. You, you'll, you can find us on iTunes. <laughs> so uh, here I am. But uh, yeah, no, because Kev, Kev loves the television property Flash. Obviously, he's directed an episode in the past two seasons, respectively, yeah. now. Um, and and Supergirl uh, now. Um, and Ezra has a very uh, comical vibe, just like Grant does on The Flash. Uh, um, so I think Kev could do something with it. I know he's not a big fan of directing scripts that aren't his, but he sucked it up and did it for the show. So, uh, I would not be upset if he somehow got his hands on the yeah, movie. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know he's going to do it justice. I mean, writing comics, being a comic book head, like, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, it'd be, it'd be a dope choice, but it, it's probably highly unlikely. I don't really, I don't oh, really yeah. see it happening, to be honest, just because, um, I don't know. He he's come out and said that he's not really a fan of doing big blockbuster titles such as these, just because he doesn't necessarily enjoy the the you know the lack of freedom to do whatever it is you want to be able to be in full control and write and direct and produce and all that. But um, it would definitely be dope. I mean, if not, we'll be awaiting your call, WB. So uh, you're a fan of Petty Dreadful. I know this, right? You watched? Did you watch? Yeah. You you've watched all the seasons, right? I I haven't finished. Uh, I'm close to end end of season two. I haven't started three then. Okay. Obviously. All right then. I didn't really know that. Uh, it's a show I want to get to. Um, I just haven't quite gotten to it yet. I know it's a fantastic show. I'm going to get around to it. But I don't know if you saw this, but uh, so Titan Comics, who um. They have titles. They pick up a lot of existing IPs, like um, such as like Assassin's Creed, Doctor Who, Sherlock, Vikings. All like you know titles that are pre-existing that they kind of just pick up and start um, you know putting out comics for. Uh, so they picked up Penny yeah. Dreadful, which I think is pretty dope. Um, and it's actually going to be Chris King, who's the co-executive producer of the show, and uh, Jesus uh, Hervas. Hervas. I don't know if I'm saying that right but uh so he he illustrates uh the existing sons of anarchy comic he's pretty sick illustrator if you haven't checked him out definitely do it um but anyways they're gonna start uh production they're gonna be putting out some uh some comics that's supposedly supposedly supposed to take place um that was repetitive uh (laughs) six months (laughs) after the show finale so i think that's pretty dope supposed to come out early 2017 so um 
I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have oh, to I can run finish it before, before then. then, and maybe try and pick these. Yeah, up. it's a pretty quick run through. I was I was over with the first season before I realized it. it actually, the first season's fucking short. It's like six episodes. Um, like, cause second it's like, season. It's like a BBC show, right? Uh, show Showtime. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. My bad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean. I mean, it could definitely be a BBC show, but yeah, maybe that's where I got that from. I think it hurt. I've heard that it's gonna have that vibe, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'm definitely gonna check it out probably before these comics come out. And I think that's pretty dope that they're gonna uh, continue with some continuity from the show to comics. You know, you don't really see that that often. Like oh. you see IPs get picked up, but you don't see it kind of like carry over very often. Same storylines. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Doctor Who, I think, is like been the like most successful carried over kind of in that way um because i think doctor who is still an ongoing comic book yeah, it series is. It is. alongside the tv series that's you know like 45 years old right. or whatever too much for me to get into um yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> dude people like you you jonathan uh you'd love you'd love doctor who and i'm like you know i bet you're right but that show <laughs> is very old and the story's are serialized, so that means I have to start at the very beginning, and that is crazy. Yeah, and like for, and um, I've heard that, like, I guess, and if there's any Doctor Who fans listening, they're probably gonna write us some hate mail. Uh, but that's cool. I mean, we, hey, we'll get some mail. Uh, but like, I've heard that. I guess there's a different Doctor, like with each season or each couple seasons or something. So you could potentially jump yeah, in yeah. Uh, later. But like. Dude, the, the the completionist in me is not going to allow that. And I, I apologize, Doctor Who fans, but I just I don't have time to go back 50 years and watch every single episode. I have no yeah. doubt in my mind it's a fantastic yeah. show. That's cool. If you're into it, that's cool. It's just it's, it's not for me. It's just it's too late in the game, dog. I'm, I'm too late. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of BBC stuff, um, did you you've seen on FX – the trailers or the teasers really for the Tom Hardy show. Yes, yes, dude. Dude, dog, a supernatural Tom Hardy Super horror series. It, 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 yeah, FX with in in conjunction with BBC. I I can't wait for when that yeah, drops. That'll be dope for sure. Yeah. Know nothing about it, so we can't really have a long conversation about it. Other than it looks fucking cool and it's got yeah, Tom Hardy. Yeah, just had some quick teasers drop about it, but it looks it looks pretty dope. So I'm definitely check that out. We'll talk about it when it comes out. Um, so Mike Coulter, you familiar with him, John? I hope so. Ah, uh, sweet Christmas, sweet Christmas. So Luke Cage himself um, at a recent uh, Comic Con, I believe it was over the weekend. Uh, he was asked. Um, you know, basically what he's going to do next. He's kind of alluded to the fact that he's on his way to New York, start filming Defenders. This is that start in production uh, this month now, November. Um, but he whoop, was, was kind of asked about um, Heroes for Hire. So for those of you unaware, what Heroes for Hire is, like we alluded to in our Luke Cage episode, which you need to go back and listen to if you haven't, um, basically that's an, uh, a comic book series, very popular um, where Luke Cage and Iron Fist, they're very, it's very buddy cop style. Um, you know, they, they're heroes for hire essentially. And so it's their own ongoing comic series. And so he was asked if that'll happen. And he said, and I quote, we're going to be getting ready to do heroes for hire. Eventually we're going to do it quote unquote. 
So oh, okay. I was like, well, damn. All right. I'm stoked. Because this is like I asked you on the Luke Cage episode. I was like, how long do you think until they start putting those pieces together of that, that relationship? And so, I mean, he all he, he confirmed it. Like, it's going to happen. Now, as far as a schedule, I mean, dude, they got their hands full because they're about to put out, like, two shows next year, I believe. Um and so they, they just, you know, there's a lot. There's, what, three shows in production. They got the Punisher, Defenders. Yeah. Um, and uh, what's the what's the third one? Um, Punisher, Defender. Jessica Jones. Maybe. Maybe it's just two, actually. But anyways, I mean, obviously, yeah. they got their hands full regardless. So, um, but that's sick. I'm stoked that it's actually going to happen. So, that's kind of sweet. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if maybe he was supposed to say that, but. Hey, he said it, so I'm going to hold his feet to the fire yeah. uh, when I see him and I have there a conversation go. with him. Uh, so And he he ain't going to whoop your ass. No way. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably going to happen. Uh, so uh, Deadpool 2, uh, we talked about it a little bit. I think it was last episode about how um, this Tim Miller guy, he left and you said kick rocks. I don't care. I don't like him. Good riddance. Well, you say you don't like him because – because uh, basically, yeah, never said well, that. I mean, but. he kind of did. Uh, but basically, Ryan Reynolds said he didn't. Uh, kind of gave him some shit, and then afterwards said he didn't think he would be a good fit um, for where the direction of the movie was going. So, anyways, looks like they kind of got a short list. Um, it was originally reported that, uh, forgive me if I butcher his name, but David Leach, Lech, um, maybe you know how to pronounce it, but he's uh, he's directed. Yeah. He's worked on V for Vendetta. 300 so he's got some comic book experience under his name um and then he's okay. also done fight club off fucking phenomenal movie cult following one of my favorites um so he okay. was originally front runner and now it's kind of been reported that drew goddard has also got his name in the in the hat which oh if they have drew goddard dude, that'd, that'd be, be sick. so sick so for those of you unaware drew goddard his most recent well i don't know if it's most recent but his uh last work that in my opinion, phenomenal was The Martian. Um, I, he's a great director, dude. I think both of them would be um, excellent, um, you know, directors. It's kind of uh, the first one, uh, Leech, Letch, however you say it. Um, obviously, he's done a lot more like actiony, like serious uh, style movies. But uh, I think either one would would fit the role pretty pretty damn well. What do you think? Uh, oh, dude, I didn't realize Goddard was a choice. I would give it to Goddard all day. Goddard, uh, show ran, or not show ran because Jeff Johns did, or not Jeff Johns, shit. Uh, who's who's the big Marvel guy? Um, oh, uh, uh, Joss Whedon? Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige, Feige sorry. Kevin yeah, Feige. Feige. Um, but uh, but God, Drew Goddard did a lot of, uh, has a huge hand in Daredevil. Uh, the series, um, and then uh, also he uh, directed and co-wrote with um, with Joss Whedon, uh, Cabin in the Woods, and that movie's fucking awesome. Such yeah. a and underrated. Just movie. as a correction, um, um, so Drew Goddard didn't direct The Martian; he produced it, uh, but he was also a writer on and wrote World it. War Z, uh, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, he helped produce Daredevil. So I mean he he'd definitely be sick, dude. I think he'd be, I think he'd yeah. be great. Um, I'd and uh, just lastly, I just got a kind of a question for you: Going to see Doctor Strange this weekend? 
I hope so. <laughs> he was like super delayed with that. Like, oh, I mean, um, well, I might as well go. Uh, everyone's now in on this conversation. I might as well go with you because uh, I'm coming up for that wedding. Um, so I saw. Did you say in the text you were going Saturday? Yeah, I'm going Saturday. You coming up? Oh, you are coming up for that wedding. Uh, Oh yeah, word. yeah. Uh, some some certain things went on. Um, so unless it's like date night, and you don't have to clarify that on the air, but unless it's like date night, I might just roll with you. Unless my boy Justin wants to see it. Hey, even if it's but, date um, night, dog, we we it's a tricycle now. Oh yeah, that's right. That Ashley lets me join in on date night. Yeah, I forgot. No doubt, dude. I'm getting tickets then. Well, I'm buying three tonight. I was gonna buy tickets for for two, so now I'm buying three. Word. That just happened live. Oh, oh okay. okay. Yeah, I'm pretty We can take another foot selfie in the movie hey. theater. Um, hey, that's but, uh, cute. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. It's projecting to do like 65, 70 million. Um, that sounds like an astronomical amount. Um, but I think in comparison, um, it's actually lower than a lot of their previous, um, oh, previous yeah. movies. But uh, regardless... I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be one of those movies that kind of surprises the average moviegoer, kind of like Guardians did. Obviously not in as, I don't think personally, as fun or as, uh, you know, like happy-go-lucky, if you will, um, you know, way as Guardians did. I think that really surprised people. But it's a, it's obviously a, a title that I don't think a lot of people know about. Uh, but once they see yeah. it, I think word of mouth alone, will get this movie a lot of praise and get this movie um you know a lot of a lot of mo- uh tickets at the box office so kind of stoked for it yeah I'm, I'm really um forward to it. the director did say uh that he made this movie to be viewed in 3d yeah um, and it looks like it like so. even from the previews like it looks like a movie that uh you'd want to see in 3d which i don't say very often because i'm not really a fan of 3D, 3D movies. I think personally it yeah. takes away, but like, I think this might be one where I have to suck it up and go see it because I think it's definitely going to add to the experience. So, um, yeah. But word. Uh, that's all the uh, the news I got. So you want to you want to get into our main little topic here, a little Halloween edition, extra spooky. All right. Tell them what it is. Um. Yeah. So, uh, this is, like I said at the beginning, our Halloween edition. You're going to get it a few days late. We apologize. We're kind of like those TV shows you watched when you were younger where the Halloween episode came like a week before or after Halloween actually happened. It just makes Halloween um, last a little bit longer, and there's nothing wrong with that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of that. So, what we're going to do today is we're going to go down our own respective lists of our fo- top five horror, suspense, thriller properties. Um that uh, kind of get us in the mood around Halloween time, or Halloween gets us in the mood to uh, experience those properties all over again. Um, and uh, since you had me go ahead and introduce it, I'll go ahead and drop mine first. Uh, and just as a preface, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Danny is not a huge horror movie fan. We talked about that in like the very first podcast. Um, so I uh, sort of gave him a little free reign to step outside the horror movie uh, realm, um, but I'm going to stick to that realm, and uh, the first thing on my list, and I teased this on my personal social medias, um, I'm going to go launch off with uh, The Lost Boys, um, not a not a gigantic vampire fan, um, 
just because vampires aren't often done in a way that I think is scary um, or even just simply cool. But uh, The Lost Boys is just so very fucking 80s. Um, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. That, that it, it just has my heart. Uh, you've got Corey Feldman, the 80s. Like If you were to embody the 80s, it would look like Corey Feldman. Um, you've got Kiefer Sutherland with this bleach blonde, long shoulder length mohawk mullet thing. Um, and it's, ah, the movie's so fun. Like we're talking about a movie that, and I don't know, I feel like you probably haven't seen it. Have you seen it? Okay. So like, just to set this up for you, dude, like the movie opens up. Uh, with this kid moving to this new town in California, which is another very 80s concept. New kid, new area, fish out of water type shit. And uh, he's out on the boardwalk in this town. And the most, this is where the movie won me over. And it's like five minutes in. He's out on the boardwalk his first night there. Number one, they have a comic book shop on the boardwalk. That was fucking cool. Um, then number two, which is where he meets Corey Feldman. You would love this movie, actually. You would have a blast. Because uh, it's not really a horror movie, horror. per se. Uh, and then uh, the next thing that got me is they have a shirtless dude that is buff as hell with long <laughs> hair in skin tight like leggings that a woman would wear in an exercise video in the 80s with like a shake weight and it's like boom 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 bah, boom 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 yeah so, and, uh, but, dude. but in style hold on dog hold on it's not even over and and this motherfucker is playing the saxophone like nobody's ever played the saxophone in the history of fucking time. And that's time. what pulled you in. Shirtless dude, skin tight jeans, <laughs> playing a shake weight, which is essentially just a uh, get you better at masturbation uh, weight. <laughs> and that's what sold you on a movie, dog? <laughs> we might need to have a conversation. Dog, <laughs> hold up, hold up. You fucked up because he wasn't wearing jeans. I said he was wearing leggings. Ooh, excuse me. <laughs> Damn. That does sound hilarious. Damn. Um, but I'm a little concerned that was the one thing that pulled you in. Um, Dude, it's fucking <laughs> hilarious. It's a phenomenal scene. He shreds that saxophone. I'm a big saxophone fan. That's the most important part. But the 80s ass motherfucker playing the saxophone um, was a, a hilarious addition. Um, but yeah, so then you just have a movie about uh, a guy that gets in with this crowd that are called the lost boys that turn out to be vampires and uh just some 80s ass shit happens from there it's, it's a really fun fucking movie i could watch it year round um the theme for the movie um is so good that i'll listen to it every once in a while just the theme and eminem even turned around and used it uh in a beat on one of his albums um so uh so yeah so that's my that's the first on my list is the Lost Boys, the only Joel Schumacher film that I think I have ever enjoyed. Word. Word. Sounds pretty dope. Um, I'll have to check it out. Uh, my number five on my list, because, oh, uh, let me, let's just clarify real quick. Did you put them in, like, order of, uh, you know, like, any specific order, or you just went? Uh, no, not really. No. Well, I did, so, fuck it. Uh, yeah. You did that on the last episode too, so yeah. it's all good. <laughs> so we're sticking with that. And I didn't. Tradition so. here. So um, my number five, mine kind of go five be out of these five being the worst 
number one being the best in this particular concentration so just to be clear these are all fantastic items is my personal opinion if you don't agree with it that's fine you're wrong my my personal opinion uh so anyways um my number five the evil within are you familiar with this at all uh the video game yes the video game did you ever play it made by the makers of resident evil right so the creator of resident evil whose name i'm gonna uh try to butcher here Shinji Mikami. Actually, I think I did pretty good there. Um, so he directed Resident <laughs> Evil, and this was um, this was kind of like one of his first big games back. Um, but uh, it came so it came out back in like 2014, so a couple years back. And once, as soon as this got announced, it immediately got my attention because I mean he's a fantastic director. I loved Resident Evil, um, and then. What sold me on it was, and I'll never forget this, dude. When, when they, when the first initial like promo dropped, um, and it actually went on to become the the cover of the game. <clears throat> if you if you're unfamiliar with it and you Google it, you'll see it. It's basically a person. All you see is their basically from their neck um, to the top of their head, and they're laying down, so they're going you know horizontally, if you will, and. Their face is wrapped in barbed wire, and it looks like they're screaming. And I was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, <laughs> give me this game now!" I didn't have to see anything else. I was like, "Yeah, give me that." Uh, but basically, as a rundown, so it's like a third-person survival horror game, um, and you basically what it is is you're um, the you're the the main character. You're you're going through this like distorted these distorted worlds you're getting pulled into these distorted worlds with like these nightmare locations and and um you know like bosses and and people and people you have to kill but like the thing that really sold me on it um because honestly it it got fairly good praise but the gameplay itself uh, was kind of wonky um there were some things that i didn't personally like and it wasn't very well received as far as the gameplay but um the thing that sold me on it was just the creatures, dude, that you fucking had to kill. Like, I'm talking like there was these common creatures, and I don't remember what they were called. It's been a few years since I played this, but um, we're, we're talking like imagine the chick from the ring, all right, down on like all fours crawling at you, like hair uh, coming across her face. You can't really see her face. She's covered in blood. But, like, she's on all fours, but she's got... I'm getting kind of turned on. <laughs> she's got, like, claws. And instead of legs, she's got another set of arms, like, coming over the back of her. So she's got, like, four arms, like, crawling at you, like this crazy, creepy, uh, like, like spider, if you will. Just creepy as hell. There were so many, like, jump scare scenes in this, uh, in this game that it had been a long time since I played a game that really... Um, you know, I was like, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, oh, you know, like I had that reaction um, playing, yeah. you know, in the dark. And it was really sick. It really had um, a really cool kind of like ambiance to it. Um, you know, it was a beautiful game. It came out, uh, I want to say it was on, uh, yeah, it was at, on Xbox One. So it was, uh, it, you know, obviously graphically it was beautiful. Um, I really enjoyed it, dude. I, I really enjoyed just kind of the overall um the scenery that was really what sold me on it and uh, a lot of the the, yeah. the the like i said the characters itself so if you haven't heard of it definitely check it out older game 
Um, and it didn't have a, it doesn't have a whole lot of replay value. I mean, you play through it once and that's enough, not only cause you scared shitless, but, um, just because there's not a lot left to do. Um, so you could probably get it pretty cheap, like you use it like GameStop or something. But anyways, that's my number five. Definitely check it out. Uh, the evil within. Okay. So. Okay. I might, uh, I might have to pick it up now cause it is a few years yeah. old. Um, but, uh, the next one, <clears throat> um, I'm gonna go into one that I had mentioned in our uh, we we the our last episode to let you guys know what it was about uh, was just top five movies that we just enjoy watching over and over again. Not necessarily the ones we think were the best quality, but just you know that you just fucking enjoy watching. Um, so my next one was actually off that list, and it's probably number one on that list, um, and, and probably will make me look. Actually, all these movies combined will make me look like a fucking basket case. But uh, this is tip of the iceberg. Um, is uh, The Devil's Rejects. Uh, Rob Zombie's The Devil's Rejects. Um, man, I don't know. I saw that movie at a time in my teenage years when uh, me and my dad were still watching movies on Saturday nights in the living room together if I wasn't out with friends. Um Something I just grew up doing with my pops um, was watching horror movies on the weekends. And uh, this just harkened back to the type of feel that those movies had for me. It's a movie about some dirty-ass redneck serial killers. Um, basically basically like a Manson family type thing um, that do really bad things to, to good people. Um, but the twist is that you don't get to know the good people, but you get to know the bad guys. So you feel uh, the peril that the bad guys are in when they have to go running from the cops. Um, and it's just a fun fucking movie. Memorable one-liners, memorable last characters. Dr. Spaulding will forever be, or Mr. Spaulding. Dr. Spaulding? I forget. Um, but the character himself, his name's not as important, but the character himself is just one of the most memorable characters in a movie. Um in a long time for me, um, played by the great Sid Haig. Um, it's actually a sequel, but you don't have to have seen the original, the first movie house of a thousand corpses. Um, equally cool movie, um, in a lot of respects, but, uh, yeah, a movie that makes you feel for people as shitty as this, like is a, is a strange thing, but, uh, Rob Zombie pulled it off and he, he is some of my favorite camera work. Um, his dialogue always has an excess of F words, which like people probably listen to this podcast and they're like, these guys say the F word a lot, but like that movie, Rob Zombie movies take it to a yeah, new level even, where even sometimes it stands oh, out. Yeah. So, so I'm just like, damn Rob, like sometimes the F word's a little overboard, but the movie, the movie is cool, man. Um, no, it's, and it's fun. It's, it's called, good, man. I, I've you've seen it, seen it, right? I've seen it, and you know, coming from a non-horror fan, I, I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. So, but I like a lot of his films, yeah. oddly enough. Like, although you know, I, I don't like horror movies. I, I really like his films, and I may preview even have one of his movies on my list coming up. So. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. Just to wrap that up, uh, one of my other favorite things about it. Uh, was the soundtrack. There was a time where every time Rob Zombie came out with a movie, um, I would get the soundtracks because they're almost always classic rock. Um, and The Devil's Rejects opens up with an Allman Brothers band song called uh, Midnight Rider. And, and a lot of people don't know this about me, but Allman Brothers um, was 
one of my favorite bands for a really long time. I have a Allman Brothers baseball tee that I should probably pull out of the closet and wear more often. But um, but yeah, so when I saw that movie and it opened up with that, uh, I was like, all right, man, Rob Zombie, you you fucking got me, bro. Um, so yeah, so that's uh that's that. Devil's Rejects, check it out. Word. And uh, back over to my boy, my boy Danny for his next pick. So my number four pick, um, and we don't. Although we did a little bit this episode, we don't typically talk a lot of comics, but we've mentioned in the past that John and I both are um, pretty big comic heads. And this book, um, it was kind of one that like I picked up in, uh, I actually picked it up in hardcover just because I, I love this writer so much. Um, but I didn't really know much about the book at all. But I, I trust this writer and this illustrator enough to know I was going to love it. So I spent the extra money, I got the hardcover fucking thank god i did do because it's hands down one of my favorite books not just horror titles but one of my favorite books but um it's called the wake um by scott snyder and and uh, uh, sean murphy have you read it n- no but uh, you and uh christina ashley's sister both have mentioned yeah, it's it to me. and she being a huge horror fan um probably the biggest that i know um obviously if it gets her sean murphy illustrated it yeah so dude that almost has me more excited than fucking scott (laughs) snyder i'm cutting you off in your segment but like i didn't realize that he did the art enough said so uh, for those of you unaware so scott snyder um award-winning writer um some of the comic titles he's done american vampire vampire excuse me um he's got a phenomenal run on batman um with greg capullo He's written Swamp Thing, number of other things. Um, Sean Murphy, uh, he's done some punk rock Jesus work. Joe the Barbarian, which is actually one of my favorite titles, is an older title. Um, uh, not, it didn't get a whole. Um, I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm sure at the time it was really big, from, um, from what I can remember. But uh, it's not often talked about. But Joe the Barbarian, um, that's a Grant Morrison title. So, um, but enough about that. Uh, the Wake, dude. Tokyo Ghost, right. Tokyo Ghost, Tokyo Ghost. Tokyo Ghost. So uh, Sean Murphy, fucking phenomenal illustrator, dude. Love, love the way he draws. But um, so the wake, basically, what the wake is about is um, and immediately, dude. Like first issue in, I was sucked in, dude. Um, what happens is Department of Homeland Security kind of approaches this marine biologist um, for help with this new kind of threat, and next thing you know. She's going down to this underwater oil rig known as the Ghost Rig. Um, there's a other, uh, there's a bunch of other like scientists specializing in all these like different things. There's like one that specializes in like um, I don't know the term, but, but um, they can they break down like noises and voices and, and translating and things of that nature. Uh-huh. Uh, because basically they hear this super weird. Uh, like underwater tone, like a screech of some kind, but it's not like any animal they've ever heard before. So obviously it causes cause it starts some cause for concern. Uh, so anyways, they go down um, and they start to discover not only is this like, um, you know, potentially like, you know, amazing because they're onto something, you know, never found before to man, but they realize it's like, terrifying because then people start going missing um and then shit starts going wrong in the oil rig and people start dying and it just quickly starts escalating dude by like the end of the second issue shit just going awry left and right um and so um 
just to read you, uh, the synopsis here, just it's a Vertigo title, so you know they're kind of pushing the limits a little bit for anybody familiar with Vertigo. Um, it's kind of DC's more, um, I don't want to say independent, but more um, edgy, if you will, um, title uh, or uh, what do you it's, what do you call it? Like pr- it's owner it's owner based, so you don't have you. They can basically do whatever right, the fuck right, they want. Exactly. So. Um, but anyway, so basically, uh, it, it goes on to say a lot of the things I've already said, but um, it says when things um, start going horribly long and people go missing, the scientific safe haven will turn into a house of horrors at the bottom of the ocean. Like, dude, and that that basically sums it up like so fucking well for me because it's it really is. I mean, if you think about it, how horrifying is that you're trapped underwater with a bunch of people you don't know and there's you know, some type of straight-up Ridley Scott, like, alien hunting down everybody on the oil rig that you're stuck on. Like, it's uh, it's a phenomenal comic. It's phenomenally written. Um, like I said, Scott Snyder, anything he touches, I- I'm going to give it a go. Um, and Sean Murphy, dude, anything he draws, I, yeah. I need to see it. So, um, highly recommend it. Like I said, one of my favorite comics, um, number four on my list of horror-related uh, titles, so. Cool. Um, next, I actually do have a number one, but everything up to that's not in a specific order. Nice. So uh, next, I'm going to go with something that I believe is very underrated. I know it was very underviewed. It was something that um, I looked forward to for a very long time, and that is Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak. Um it from the time I heard him initially talk about it, and it was, I this is something he had planned for years and years and years. Um, something I think he wrote, God, before he was even famous. Um, but uh, it is, and he said this before it came out, and people were still kind of like put off by it. Um, it is not an outright horror movie. It is a gothic romance movie. Um, the best thing I can compare it to is um, is Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Okay. Um, in tone, um, it's just it's got a clear love story cut through the middle of what's going on, um, and uh, aside from that, it, it's just an it's an excellent. <clears throat> excuse me, it's an excellent fucking ghost story um the main character who's played by the girl that played um alice in wonderland um she is haunted by the ghost of her mother um and from the time she's a child her mother warns her of this place called crimson peak which doesn't mean shit to her when she's 10 years old um and so she sort of like learns to live with this like presence of her mother being around from time to time um she gets older falls in love with loki uh just kidding tom hiddleston (laughs) and um and uh he's this rich uh he plays like he's rich he he's uh, he's kind of down in the slumps he created an invention to mine clay from where he lives um and so she goes back with him and his sister who's very creepy played by jessica chastain um goes back and lives with them in England at Crimson Peak. 
Um, it has a different name. She doesn't really take note of the fact that this hillside that is red, the color crimson because of the clay, she never takes note of the fact that that might be Crimson Peak. Um, and uh, crazy shit just starts happening. She starts seeing these terrible things. Uh, her sister-in-law um, seems to have some dark, ominous, like, thoughts about her and just hangs around kind of like a really dark creepy shadow and that takes a really dark gothic turn in and of itself um it really and like i said closest thing i can relate it to is sleepy hollow which is a lot of movie is a movie a lot of people have seen but you put johnny depp in a movie and people won't watch it um but uh crimson peak for a other reasons it's just kind of unlike anything i've ever seen if, if the movie was black and white it would make more sense to be a movie from like the 1940s. It just plays like an old school ass scary movie um, that if I muted it, uh, it would still be creepy um, <laughs> just because of the visuals. Um, and, and the writing, the dialogue in it is a bit cheesy and that's kind of, I think, Del Toro's purpose because it is a melodrama um, that takes place in a time time period that uh seems sort of elevated to like fantastical proportions in our minds it's like you know early 19th or early 20th century america and shit but um yeah very cool movie i i feel like i did a really weird job of trying to sell it just now <laughs> because my reasons for my reasons for loving it are kind of obscure um but because not a lot of people saw it uh you know it's worth it's worth checking it out however you have to uh, manage to check it out so that's my that's my two cents on Crimson Peak. Tight. Um, my next one, and this, oh, dude, this one's really weird for me because anybody that knows me and anybody you know that's listen to this podcast, you would not think that I'd be into a movie like this. Um, but and and it's not even really. I think the term into this movie is probably a poor description because anybody that's into this movie it might have some issues that they need to go talk to somebody about um <laughs> but uh so now that i've buried the lead the the movie i'm referring to is jack ketchum's the girl next door um 2007 film not to be confused with like the 2004 uh comedy of the same name the, the girl yeah. next door it's it's interesting you say that bro um and you're saying things that I can relate to that I didn't expect you to pull up. That's the only reason I'm interrupting your list. But um, Jack Ketchum has wrote a couple of my favorite, favorite horror novels. Um, and I never read Girl Next Door. But uh, yeah, Have you ahead. seen the movie? Uh, no, uh, but I do remember it being in this horror magazine that I used to read when I was a teenager. Um, talking about how like... Uh, disturbing it was just in the content. Right, so just to give everybody an idea of what what type of movie we're talking about, I wouldn't even classify this movie as horror. All right, like I almost had trouble putting it on this list. If there was a list of like top, if we were doing a list of top five fucked up movies, this is probably at the top of it for me. Like 
It just this movie, okay. dude. Like it literally. It's not the type of movie where you're jumping and you're scared. It's not the type of movie where you're just creeped out and you got to sleep with the lights on. It's the type of movie that after you watch it, you need to take a shower because you feel just disturbed, just fucking like weird and dirty for watching it. And I don't and and not dirty in the sense that you feel like you just watch like, you know, some weird, you know, porno that you're into, but like yeah. dirty in the sense that like it's almost it's just so real that you're like, I really wish, I really hope to God that there are not people out there doing this and just the potential of somebody doing it. Um, it it's frightening, dude. Uh, but basically, so basically, to give you a synopsis, the movie kind of, the movie takes place in, in a, a flashback. So the main character, David, um, he witnesses a hit and run. And so that evening, he starts uh, reflecting on his past. Um, and so, thus gives you the rest of the movie, okay? And so, the movie's set in, like, the late 50s, um, in which uh, it's it's based, I think it's it's kind of like around a summertime, uh, where he meets these two adolescent girls, right? And um, mm-hmm. basically, their parents uh, were killed in a car crash, which kind of sparked, which is what, how the, you know, present day, uh, ties into the flashback, obviously. Um, and these yeah. girls, um, uh, upon losing their parents, are sent to live with, um, I, I want to say it's their aunt. Um, uh, I'm looking on, I'm looking at a synopsis here, and it doesn't necessarily specify, but I want to, rem- if I remember correctly, it's their aunt. And this lady is just super fucked up, dude, and weird. She's like this weird reclusive woman that has like a, couple sons um like two or three i believe and she immediately uh, well let me back up for a second so when the girls initially come to the home to start living with them they immediately one of them starts developing a crush on one of the boys david the main character and so immediately she starts to take notice of this and just starts treating them absolutely terrible um and the movie is shot it's 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 it has a very indie feel feel to it. There's even a point in the film that um, I'll never forget this. There's a point in the film where they go to a carnival um, and they're on the Ferris wheel. And if you look on the actual like Ferris wheel itself, um, you can see a ref- in the reflection. You can see like the handheld camera that they're filming the movie with. <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, so you know what type of level it's on, just right there. But dude, there's a scene in this movie. All right. Um, to get back to the synopsis, she starts treating these girls super fucking terribly. Um, I'm talking like locks them up in the basement, no food, no water, starts like burning them with cigarettes and doing all this like terrible ass shit. There's a scene in the movie. And uh, if you, if you want to see the movie, stop listening right now. I'll give you a moment. Fast forward about, uh, I don't know, five to 10 minutes. um, So you miss this because when you see it, it's going to absolutely just wreck your world, and I don't want to uh, ruin that for you. Um, but I'm going to ruin it f- for you, John. So uh, um, there's okay. a scene in the movie, dude, where at this point, it's it's relatively late in the movie. She's got um, the main girl, Meg, um, tied up in the basement with, like, chains and shit on the bed, all right? And she's calling her slut and all this. And this is after she lets her sons, like, take turns, like, you know, raping her and doing all this terrible shit 
It's not a good movie. I already mentioned this. All right. And okay, yep. she <laughs> it's almost tough to talk about. She blow torches the girl's vagina shut, dude. What in the That's fuck? what the fuck I'm talking about, dude. Like and it's so uncomfortable watching, dude, and you're just like, oh my fucking god, dude. Like what just the, the idea of something like this happening, like you just feel terrible, dude. You don't sleep for days after this movie, man. I'm telling you. Uh it's absolutely disturbing. It's one of the most horrifying things I've seen. Um, and I say horrifying in just the weirdest way possible, dude. Um, but um, the movie's got some, I wouldn't say a happy ending, but uh, it's got a resolution. Um, I, I yeah. recommend this movie in the worst way possible. Um, if you're looking for a movie to not feel good afterwards, this is at the top of the list. <laughs> Fucking blowtorch. Now, have, are you familiar with V.C. Andrews' Flowers in the Attic? Mm, no, I can't say I've even heard of it, to be honest. Uh, so it was a book, um, and it was turned into an old movie, and then I think somebody remade it for a straight-to-video version of the movie. Um, I believe my mom had seen the old movie, a girl that I was uh, – well, actually, my oldest friend. Uh, she read the book when we were freshmen in high school. Um, and it's very similar to what you're saying. Their parents die. What happens is they end up living with like an aunt or a grandma or something. The kids, there's three kids, um, uh, the brother and sister older and they have a younger sister, younger by a few years. And, uh, the grandma or aunt or whatever, um, forces them to live in the attic, hence the flowers in the attic. Um, and just. As you learned with Girl Next Door, uh, when you can find, it just seems like a pattern when you can find kids or people to a small area, just fucked up shit happens. And so, like, that's kind of the impetus for this movie is, like, these kids are in the attic for years and they're going through puberty together and they don't know about the outside world. Um, And so you can imagine what kind of weird shit happens then um, to totally fuck up their world's. Uh, once they realize what is and isn't acceptable in the real world, but uh, yeah, if you feel like if you feel like masochism for the sake of masochism's <laughs> sake, like flowers, flowers in the attic is uh, another option for you. Um, but uh, but yeah, my next my next pick is by a director that I uh, mentioned. Uh, did I mention it last week? I think I mentioned it last week. Um, Ty West. Yeah. Uh, his movie House of the Devil. Um, House of the Devil is a '70s style throwback movie uh, about a girl who needs a job. She's a starving college student. Finds a little piece of paper on the college job board with a phone number, looking for a babysitter. Um, and she takes it. It's so very '70s. She wears like a little red <laughs> vest, um, little puff puffer vest, and. Uh, takes a call and aid goes to take the job and she gets there and it turns out that uh not all is as it seemed and uh as these types of movies go and it turns out that uh she's not really there to babysit she's there to house set um so that's like oh, okay that's whatever um uh, and then that sort of goes downhill from there and uh some real bad dark shit happens uh 
the people that own the house are kind of fucking creepy too. Uh, number one, um, the the twist being, and I'll give you guys the opportunity to fast forward now as well. Uh, just fast forward about a minute and a half, two minutes, and go. Okay, so the twist is is that um, she is actually there to watch uh, the grandma, the the mom of the guy that owns the house. Um, which doesn't seem that creepy either, but it's kind of like, why wouldn't you tell us? Um, but she, whatever she does, she is not allowed to go into grandma's room. Um, and so then she does like so many seventies things happen. She orders a pizza, um, and, uh, the pizza person comes and there's some sketchy shit there. She has a friend come by to see her to make sure she's okay. Um, and some bad shit happens with that. Um, but basically what ends up happening is, uh, these people that own this house are a cult. Um, and so by the end of the movie, it turns into this satanic movie that the first thing, it's a movie that tricks you with its identity. Cause at first you're like, oh, this is going to be a slasher movie. Um, and then it turns into, oh, maybe this is going to be a haunted house movie. Um, then something happens where you're like, oh, it definitely is a slasher movie. And then by the end of it, you're like, no, all these fucked up things are happening because these people are fucking Satanists. Oh, um, fuck. And it's like, yeah, and it's like the blood moon. And so they're basically they're hiring her to be their like virgin sacrifice. What? Um, and yeah, so shit just really fucking goes downhill from there. So as you can imagine, um, I'm not gonna give away how things happen or some of the visuals that are in the movie that are really cool. But uh, when I saw this movie, it kind of slow burns brings you up to the like the ultimate like catalyst for the bad events that happen. And um, I've mentioned before to a number of people that talk to me about horror movies. If I am to be fearful for the person in the movie, I want to like them. So this movie takes the opportunity to set you up and, and like this girl for the first like 45 minutes because we all understand what it's like to be in college. We all understand what it's like to need a little bit of money. Um, we all have considered taking an odd job from time to time, uh, a little side hustle as we call it. Uh, and uh, hopefully we haven't all been in a situation where we got stuck doing something that wasn't as it first appeared in a way that makes you super uncomfortable. But I, I know I can kind of relate to that. Um, and uh, by the time that twist hits, it's just like, oh, fuck, dog. <laughs> this shit is about to get serious. Uh, and, and it becomes a movie that you didn't expect at all. Um, and uh, it, it really catches you with that. It catches you hook, line, and sinker with that. And at that point, you're terrified for what this girl's about to go through. Um, so... House of the Devil, um, my, I, I can say this, House of the Devil, because no one knows my number one yet, House of the Devil will be the most recommended movie on my list, and the only reason I say that above my number one is because my number one is going to be so fucked up that I don't know that I could, rec- <laughs> I could recommend it to somebody in, in okay. kindness. Okay, I like um, it. But, uh, yeah, swing it back over. All right, so my, se- my um, number two... I'll keep it relatively short because I feel like a lot of people have probably seen this movie. Um, and the uh, the 
title itself doesn't necessarily need a whole lot of explaining. I think a lot of people are familiar with the story. Um, but I mentioned earlier that I might have a Rob Zombie film on my list. This is it, and it's his um, 2007 depiction of Halloween. Um, dude, for me, like, this was the perfect Michael Myers movie for me. Um, I liked it uh, far more than the original. Um, just because, I mean, there were well, a couple reasons, really. Um, it's It's got Rob Zombie written all over it, just from, um, like you said, the soundtrack, so, um, you know, from from your other movie that you mentioned. Um, his soundtrack in this movie, also phenomenal. Um, some of his visuals, pretty fucking brutal um, and phenomenal. Um, and really what I liked about it most, though, was um, his depiction of Michael Myers as a kid. Um, so I, I don't, the reason why I say I don't need a lot of explanation on this movie, I feel like everybody kind of knows Michael Myers and what he's about. But in the original, and I'm not right, I'm not a big fan of um, here's the antagonist and they're just bad just because they're bad. Like, give me a logical reason as to why and I'll enjoy it a little bit more. Like, I, I'm, I'm a logical person. I need to understand um, the reasoning behind it. Otherwise, to me, it's just like, well, why are you doing all this shit, right? And I think that's really what sold me yeah. on this movie was he delves a lot more into um, Michael Myers as a kid and in particular his psyche and why he's, um, you know, what's driving him to kill all these people. And so uh, that's really what did it for me. Um, and I, I like he, – he did a follow-up Halloween 2 a couple years later, which um, – I don't think it it did nearly as well. I I didn't personally. Nah, I, it, it's universally. Yeah, personally, hated. I didn't like it at all. But um, but this this movie in particular was actually um, I'm on uh, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, and I didn't know this, but it went on to actually gross the most money worldwide by any film in the Halloween franchise, which um I find interesting. Yeah. So that that right there kind of justifies um, why it's number two for me. If you haven't seen it definitely watch it if you've seen the original and you were like me and you're like well michael myers he's like a, a one-dimensional character he just kills people for no reason go watch this movie and it'll totally uh you know get you back on board with with michael myers as a villain and, and kind of enjoying yeah. uh, rob zombie storytelling i think it's a i think it's a really good uh rob zombie rob zombie kind of starter film too because it's not too like off the wall it's a title that a lot of people already know the story yeah. of um but you you get a feel for his um his way of his way of film um and the way he shoots movies and the way he's, yeah. he, his storytelling so uh, i really enjoy yeah. it i watch it basically every year around this time of the year so it's definitely that's why it's yeah i uh i I put it in. Uh, I put it in last night, but it was getting late, and I fell asleep uh, before uh, they even put him in the institution. But uh, your reasons for liking the movie are exactly why Rob wanted to make the movie. Um, I have the like three disc special edition, which has like a three hour documentary on it. He always does that for all of his movies, um, and uh, he explains that concept of when he was a kid. He always he never understood why Michael killed. Um, his family but spared his young sister um, and then uh, he also explained it in his um, his his special screening of 31 that I went and saw um, because somebody asked him a question about uh, killers in his movies and he explained why he made Halloween the way that he made it um, 
well there such. you go but See, uh yeah agreement with i definitely got to agree with danny it's worth watching um all right so my number one this is a, an obscure ass pick um because a lot of people aren't going to have seen this the reason being is it's not an american film and a lot of people hate watching things that they have to read the subtitles um and there's not a lot of dub tracks um, nowadays because I think that filmmakers just don't want to treat the audience like they're idiots and uh, dub things over. Um, but it is a Turkish horror movie called Baskin. That is B-A-S-K-I-N. Oh, shit. I've um, heard of it. You can, you can, yeah. You can watch this on Netflix for those of you that, despite the things I'm about to say, um, want to watch it. Um, the catchphrase is pretty simple. It is four cops go to hell. Um, when it says four cops go to hell, it literally means that these cops go to hell. Um, there is for me, I've spent a lot of my life looking for a movie that scares me. And there are movies that, uh, will have moments, and I, I mention this a lot when I talk about film, that have great moments, um, but overall do not resonate enough after the credits roll to be scary. Um, Exorcist, I watched it when I was like 12. My parents decided it was okay for me to watch it at that point, and it didn't bother me. Um, and, you know, everybody raves about how that's the scariest film of all time. Um I can say that I have read half the book and got so scared of the book that I had to oh, stop shit. it. Um, because the trick for me is that there is nothing scarier, uh, scary enough in a movie that can match the visuals I make up in my own mind when I'm reading a book. Um, so the Exorcist book terrified the shit out of me. Uh, the Mothman Prophecies book, based on which is based on true accounts, um, uh, scared the shit out of me. Couldn't finish that. Um, so you just think about think about when you picture shit in your head when you're reading. Like just imagine the things that you make up. Right, right. Um, a lot of people they say movies and they're like, oh, that's exactly how I pictured it. That really happens for me. So books for me can always keep me up at night more than a movie will um this move oh, oh so I, in turn um i've always felt i would be a good horror director because things just don't scare me things in real life don't really scare me that much either i'm not saying i'm a tough guy i'm just saying like i just not scared of shit um and so basically you're saying the you're only tough times guy. that that's cool yeah yeah what's up uh but I have very fucked up nightmares as a result of there not being a, like a outside of my sleep catalyst for these very bad things. So I have these really fucked up nightmares. Um, girl next door so watching this Turkish. If, if so, dog, I don't know if we can continue this podcast. I didn't say I was the person doing the fucked up <laughs> shit in my nightmares. Um, but, uh, no, I'm I'm talking like out of this world type shit. So this movie, these four cops, it's it's kind of a surrealist movie at first. These four cops, um, they're on the road for some reason. They're working a night shift together. They're at a bar. Um, they're driving down the road. They get in an accident, and so they go 
try to, uh, I forget the specific order of events here, but they get in an accident and, uh, then they get a call for help from, uh, this house. So once they get their car back out on the road, they go to this house where they got the distress call. But once they're there, uh, they're not getting the distress call anymore, but there's another cop car there. So they go in to back up their fellow police. They go into this house, this abandoned like three-story house. It's like got a flat front. It's got pillars. Um, it just looks like some shit off of like scariest places on earth. Um, and they go inside and they start going down in levels. It has like basements, but it doesn't fucking stop going oh, down. Um and as they go down, more fucked up shit starts happening. And all of a sudden, at one point, they're in a dark, they're in this dark room that has little, uh, little chambers off to each side of this little hallway. And there's these fucking, I don't know if they're people at this point, but these fucking things running through that have like black trash bags just tied around their heads at and like, they can't see shit, but their skin is all discolored. They're wearing robes, like... Like you would see in an insane asylum that are all fucking nasty, covered in puke and blood and probably shit. Um, and these things just start running around and they like snatch a couple of the dudes um, and take them. And so then now we're short a few cops. The other cops chase them down further and they just they literally keep descending further and further and further until ultimately they end up in this representation of hell. And I have never seen anything physically represent something this disturbing outside of my own brain. So when I saw this in real life, I was like, oh my God, like somebody in this world, I don't know if it makes me fucked up, but like somebody in this world is so fucked up that they were able to put the things I'm seeing on screen. And it's just this fucked up cult of like, I guess they're demons, but they look like deformed ass people. Um, they'll be like missing eyes, but they'll sniff you and they can breathe in and smell, taste you in their mouth in the air. They're licking the, the surviving cops. They've got them tied up. Um, and then this short guy appears and it's one of the creepiest people creature things i've ever seen in cinema and he starts giving this monologue about being set free and how all of his minions are are the true representation of freedom and he's getting up in these cops faces and talking about how he's going to set them free they just need to give themselves up to him and uh it turns into a fucking bloodbath bro and it it just, I, it's hard to put into words because it's things that I usually only see in my head, but like, that's just a testament to like, if you feel like you want to see it, then you really do have to see it to believe right. it. Um, and it's not, the, it's not the type of movie that everyone's going to watch and go, wow, this scares the shit out of me because it's not something that I think your brain, not in a smart way. It doesn't take any intelligence to fucking watch this movie, but it's not something that our brains are used to seeing and visualizing. It's like so I could see how plenty of, yeah, I could see how a bunch of people will sit there and watch this movie Baskin and, uh, be like, Oh, I didn't really get anything out of it. Um, some of it might just be lost in translation. Um, 
some of it will just be hard to process, like I said. Um, but uh, I will say that there, uh, we have this friend Tanae, her husband Adam. Um, he's a big film head. He, but he looks at film more as like a student of film. And so every time he watches something, he's analyzing it. And he wanted something to watch this Halloween, hadn't seen it yet. So I told him, I was like, look, man, uh, I know you watch a lot of crazy fucked up shit. Um, this is the only movie in my entire life that has been a, a real life representation of things that I see in my nightmares that wake me up out of my sleep. Um, and he watched it and he told me, he was like, I'm really glad you recommended that. Like, and probably not something that a lot of people will watch over and over again. Um, but if you, if you feel like you want to see what hell might look like, <laughs> Um, and for a lot of people, I know that's a touchy subject because there's a lot of religious folks and I get it. Uh, you don't want to fuck with shit like that. Uh, but if you feel up to the task of a movie that is going to literally take you into hell, um, then Baskin. I don't know how lo much longer it'll be on Netflix. It's only been on for about a month and a half. Um, and like I said, I can't recommend it uh, out of goodwill, but I can tell you that I've spent about 10 minutes fucking talking about it. Um <laughs> So, so if you feel like crawling inside of some really fucked up individual's head, um, John's essentially, then there you go. Yeah, B A S K I N Baskin, um, and that wraps up. That wraps up with my number one for my nice. list. Nice. I've been I've been meaning to watch it because I know it's just I know you've given it such high praise, and I've seen a couple other people as well, and I know it's just one of those super fucked up movies that you kind of have to, like you said, see to believe. So I I really want to watch it at some point. I'm just uh, you know, it's not uh, horror movies just aren't my go-to, and I I know it's uh, it's not uh for the faint of heart. So maybe I'm a pussy. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I I'll watch it yeah. at some point. <laughs> um, but so my number one, um, not a f not actually a film at all, um, but <clears throat> it's actually uh. Again, um, like my number five, um, it's a video game title. Um, and for me, this game, it really, it really, it really perfected the horror video game, video game, like kind of, um, kind of, uh, genre, if you will, for me. And the reason why I say that is, okay. um, it just seemed like there were so many things about this game that visually hadn't been done yet. And just uh, from a storytelling standpoint, um, they didn't really use a lot of um, a, a lot of the tools up until this point that this game does to really get in your head and, and, and scare you. And um, it, this was the first game that I honestly... I swear to God, dude, I was afraid to play in the dark at nighttime. Um, but the game I'm talking about is Dead Space. Um, and so they okay. went on to create uh, three of them. There's been a lot of talk about a potential Dead Space movie because it has that big of a following. Um, I believe they're actually making a fourth one or it was rumored that they're making a fourth one. But I'm talking about strictly right now the first one uh, because uh, for anybody that's played played dead space they probably agree that as um as the trilogy went on they kind of uh, geared more towards action like the second one was a little bit more actiony and the third one was full-on you know like shooter action game 
um, and they kind of got away from yeah. the horror style, if you will. Um, but Dead Space 1 was straight up jump scare horror movie, dude. Um, so for those of you that haven't played it, quick synopsis. Um, it's set in a uh, very far future, like t- um, 2,500 and some odd. Um, and there's a particular starship out in the middle of the universe um, that sends out a distress signal. Um, and so a, um, a team goes out to explore it, figure out what's going on. Um, on their way, their ship crashes into a docking station of uh, the ship that sent the distress signal. Um, and so, and in the process, um, all but like three members of, of the ship die, right? Um, you're thrust into this world where you're on a ship, um, and you quickly start realizing that it's abandoned. And those that were working on the ship are now these grotesque fucking monsters dude and it really aside from storytelling um it really stepped it up in terms of creativity and and monsters and video games like some of these monsters dude were so fucking gnarly that like i would straight up if i played this game in the dark i would have dreams about these monsters you know coming to fucking kill me dude like yeah they're ridiculous like if you can imagine uh-huh. just like these half, um, you know, like half um, uh, embodied skeletons, just say, um, skin ripping off, jaw down, like from, you know, where your jaw would normally be to like your chest, uh, multiple arms, but like the the most common. Getting turned on again. What's that? Instead of getting yeah, turned on again. Like that. Uh, the, the most common <laughs> monster in the game had these like almost like wing like. Um, structures that came out from the shoulders, right? And so if you imagine wings that, um, you know, come up and then kind of come down at like a 45-degree angle like most wings normally do, but minus the feathers. Instead, they just come to like a sharp-ass point of like these just gnarly bones and like decaying like, um, you know, uh, skin and whatnot. And so they would just stab you through the head or stab you through the heart to kill you, dude. And it's just grotesque. And there's uh, there's so many different character models in this game, like so many different monsters. It wasn't just like one type of monster like you saw in a lot of video games, and especially video games leading to this point. Um, so that's why it kind of like – it kind of set the standard in a lot of ways for horror video games from that point forward. Um, and and to go back to bring it full but, um, full circle, perfect butthole style – uh, like I did that <laughs> full butthole dog. You almost said I did, full butthole. I did. Uh, so to <laughs> bring awesome. it back perfect butthole style, um, you can see a lot of this game in the evil within, um, my number five on the list. Um, mm, uh, but, uh-huh. uh, uh, just a lot of these monsters, dude, like the creativity, like I was on, um, so different. And, um, in particular, I'll, I'll, there's like this one image that um, still resonates with me of this little, it looks like um, almost like uh, a monster from the flood from Halo, if you're familiar with that. A small like orb, yeah. um, like spider looking creature, very, moves very quickly and whatnot. Almost looks like you could just step on it and be done with it, right? But there's a there's an image where it like 
just totally just cracks this dude neck and like rips his head off and you're just like oh shit this ain't nothing to fuck with <laughs> like uh, like uh. I just and there's so many of those and then the gameplay itself dude it it really did it for me i mean there's some rpg elements upgrading uh you know armor and whatnot and um, but like I said, the, the main thing, and to get back to the plot, I never actually finished the plot, but as you realize that everybody, these grotesque monsters, now the objective obviously is to get the fuck off the ship. So it's pretty straightforward. Um, and as yeah. you're doing so, um, there's just so many points where, uh, whether it's a boss or just a random bad guy, just jump out of nowhere. And I think, um, it really perfected. In terms of horror gameplay, it really perfected the the balance of like, do I shoot it? Do I, you know, beat it down? Because I don't have a lot of ammo. Like I don't know when I'm gonna get ammo again. I don't know how many other monsters are around the corner. Like that type of thing, dude. And that's for me games yeah. that find that perfect balance where it's not like overwhelmingly hard to the point where like bloodborne for example where you don't have any resources at all to achieve whatever it is you're trying to achieve um but make it just difficult enough that you really have to think about how you're going to use your resources to get to the next objective like i really enjoy that as as a gamer like it's that's the type of challenge that i enjoy and you if when you combine that with some scary ass fucking monsters and some you know, fantastic storytelling and, and cutscenes. Yeah. It's a phenomenal game. So if you haven't played it, definitely check it out. I highly recommend it. Um, and it's fun. It, it really is. I mean, despite being, um, you know, super fucking, you know, scary, it's really fun. Um, it, it's an older game at this point. I mean, it came out in 2008. It came out on Xbox 360, but it is, um, it is backwards compatible, so you can actually, you know, play it on your Xbox One and whatnot. So, uh, so that's yeah. it. My number one, um, Dead Space. So, just to run down real quick, I got Evil Within coming in at five, The Wake um, by Scott Snyder, Sean Murphy, um, The Girl Next Door. If you're looking to get in some super fucked up stuff, um, Rob Zombie's Halloween, and then Dead Space. So. And then uh, I hit you with uh, some lovable 80s movie with the Lost Boys. Threw in some Devil's Rejects. Also courtesy Rob Zombie. Got you into some awesome creature and ghost work with Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak. Um, I hit you with Ty West, The House of the Devil for a nice 70s throwback. And then we took a trip to hell with Baskin. There it is. So... I just want to give, uh, I know it's a little bit longer episode, but I do want to give a um, quick shout out. Um, so not this week coming up, uh, the following, November 12th, um, our my local comic book shop here in Jack's um, uh, Superhero Hive, uh, they also have Superhero Beach, they're going to be throwing their own con. Um, so first, first of what looks to be an annual con, um, from talking with the owner, Neil, um, they've got it seems as if they're going to have enough backing and enough people that they'll be able to do this annually, which I think is f fucking great, dude. Um, but they're throwing a con. It's called Hall of Heroes. Um, it's November the 12th. It's going to be at Snyder Armory. Um, for those of you in Jacksonville, that's off uh, Normandy Boulevard. Um, so I believe that's that's kind of like west side-ish. Um, 
And if you go to HallOfHeroesJacks.com, you can um, you know find tickets and more information there. Going to be some big names there too, man. Um, one of my personal favorites, George Perez, um, who I believe we actually talked about on the Lost episode. Um, but uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be really cool. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, they're great dudes, great shop. Um, so should be a lot of fun. So definitely come and check it out if you're into that type of thing. Um, November the twelfth, Hall of Heroes. So, you got any um, tight? Any other um, shout outs or anything? Yep. Uh, for this special Halloween edition of the pool, we will have a nice uh, theme song, as you probably heard at the beginning. It's a little bit different. Uh, that was brought to us courtesy a uh, good friend and composer, uh, Jacob Cadmus. Uh, go way back with that dude. I'm going to include the link to his website uh, on our social media pages uh, accompanying the release of this uh, particular podcast episode. Uh, So check out Jacob's work. Uh, You can find films he's done on YouTube. He's composed a number of things. And uh, give him some love. And... um you know, as always, like, uh, you know, definitely if you if you're into it, uh, if you got anything to add, maybe maybe if you've got a super fucked up Halloween uh, title that you're really into a movie, a game, a comic, whatever it is, man, drop us a line. Hit us up. Um, we're all over Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can all three of them. You can find us at uh, the Pull network. So uh, let us know what you think. Um, you know, show us some love. Do whatever you do, whatever you like. I mean, show us some hate. It's all good. Um that's all I got. Cool. You got anything else? Hope you had a happy Halloween, yeah. folks. Happy Halloween to everybody. And, all right. Uh, I think that'll do it. All right. Cool. Peace. Peace. This has been a Pool Network production. For your latest dose of movies, television, and whatever the fuck, tune in each Wednesday. And since we know you just can't get enough, don't forget to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for information on new shows and events.